real estate, there's no weekly paycheck. Deals don't close in a week. They don't close in a day. They should close in a month, and sometimes they won't close. And you need to be prepared for that financially and also mentally because that could get disheartening, but that's just the name of the game. But once you get the ball rolling, it's like an avalanche because you have pipelines. And you had deals after deals just beginning to close. Welcome to the Real Estate Life Podcast. Today we welcome Richard Bartholomew. He is a full-time real estate investor. And today we'll be discussing what you need to consider if you are thinking of becoming a full-time real estate investor, including how much money you should save up before quitting your nine to five. We will also touch on how to find deals on market, off market, and why it's all about doing volume and following up. Finally, we will also talk about what you need to know on creating relationships with someone to source deals for you. All this and much more up next. Real estate investing is changing, but there are people evolving and thriving. In this podcast, we'll listen to their stories and hopefully learn from them. I am dedicated to creating a life where I could create multiple passive income and doing something I love along the way. To me, the most important part is doing significant work and create great relationships along the way. For those that want to invest in passive income multifamilies, email me at abio at abiobiestatos.com. My name is Abio Biestatos. I am a real estate investor and entrepreneur, and I want to help you live the real estate life. Welcome to the Real Estate Life Podcast. Welcome to the Real Estate Life Podcast. Today on the show, I have a special guest, Richard Bartholomew. Uh, me and Richard have done quite a few deals in the past couple of years. I wanted to bring him onto this show because I think he has a very interesting and very fruitful business model that I would love the listeners to know, especially in the market that we're in right now where you can't find inventory. So Richard got into the business of real estate in 2015. He also owns his portfolio of rental properties. Uh, he is an active investor and he also has a call center and works with multiple virtual assistants around the world uh, for to get deals. Uh, I mean, the deals that Richard brings me are, are sometimes I'm like, how did you get this? So that's the type of relationship me, uh, me and Richard have. He sources deals for me and other investors. Now I want you guys to hear his story and how he does it and share his experience. Richard, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. Richard, so before we get into you know uh, everything I just mentioned about how you how you source deals, I want I want the listeners to know a little bit about yourself and how you got into the business of real estate because you've only been in the business since 2015, but I've seen what you've done since then. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, give them a little bit of background of your story. Well, basically, uh, it all started with an eight-unit building in Little Havana. Um, it was my my father's and once me and my brother took it upon it took it up took it upon us you know a lot of people told us sell it sell it sell it but we were up for the challenge so that was our first experience at stabilizing a multifamily asset and um we pumped in about eighty thousand dollars raised the rent about forty percent and so what was a non-performing asset into a really really juicy performing asset in about a year and from there that's when we started that, that's when you got hit with the real estate bug, I bet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just, it felt like a glove is the best thing I can say. Never done <laughs> it before, but I just looked at it and go, you know what? New kitchens, new bathrooms. Let's, let me look at the market rent. Oh, yeah, yeah. We can do something here. Yeah. Did you that's keep it? Are you still holding on to that asset or you sold it? No, we sold it. We sold right. it. 
You sold it. Uh, so you, what did you exit on that, uh, on a per door? Man, this one was sold about 2017, if I'm not mistaken. 2017. And we ended up selling. It was eight doors and we sold it for 935. 935. Which that's, I think that's probably still one of the highest comps in the area. Yeah, back then, yeah. And uh, for yeah. the listeners who don't know, when he means Little Havana, he's not talking about Cuba, he's talking about Miami. Because <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> I know some people mistaken that uh, it's a sub-market here in Miami where um, where it's a hot apartment market. Uh, there's a lot of trading going on there. I, I own 52 apartments in that area too, so I'm very aware of what Richard did there. So Richard, so but what business were you in when, before you, you got into uh, uh, investment in real estate? Well, before that, I had the pleasure to work for public supermarkets for 20 years. I was in upper management there. I'm still thankful for those 20 years because that this is a people business. And the people skills that I learned in those 20 years, leadership skills, ability to work with all kinds of different personalities, I employ that every single day. Whether I'm talking to my plumber, my GC, another realtor, another investor, in real estate, you work with who you like. And that's something that I learned day to day working for Publix. Well, you know, yeah. Now. So I'm very familiar with the Publix brand. They do have their, I mean, their, their places are impeccable. They have great customer service. So you were able to get that, that, that savviness from being in that environment and bring it into the real estate business. And I, I, are you a full time real estate investor now? Yes, full time. Well, how was that leap of faith for those listeners that are trying to, figure out if they're going to take this leap and how do they do it? Uh, how was that? Uh, what, how much did it take for you to say, you know what, I'm going to drop my, my comfortable nine to five and say, I'm going full, full blown on this real estate. So I always think that all major decisions are the answer becomes obvious. So I tried to juggle both for a couple of years and I was working seven days a week, five years at Publix and my two days off managing our rehabs going out there that was like i haven't had a didn't have a day off <laughs> i still don't have days off and when was the decision made when the loss of opportunity began to increase and increase when we were losing out on deals because we just couldn't get to them and that's when it became you know what it's time to go because um loss of opportunity keeps on adding up yeah and so it was for, actually for quite a simple decision now, this is a question that I always ask because everyone has a different way of seeing it. So if you were to give an advice to a listener out there that's working his, you know, their full-time job and wants to jump into this business, uh, what advice would you give them uh, on the reserves? How much money do you, do you, you – that's the question. How, how much money do you need to have saved up? How many months of your overhead do you want to have saved up? What would you say to that? that's always the scariest thing because how long would it take to make a deal happen that's a great question and that's uh, and you know in real estate there's no weekly paycheck yeah uh you know in give you in publics you know you show up and you know you get paid yeah. real estate is not like that you yeah. know you need to work for these deals so i mean i always tell people have about six months of reserve at least they're ready to go so you can pick from while you're building your pipeline and you're working your deals uh, deals won't close in a week. They don't close in a day. They should close in a month and sometimes they won't close. And you need to be prepared for that financially and also mentally because that could get disheartening, but that's just the name of the game. But once you get the ball rolling, it's like an avalanche because you have pipeline and you have deals after deals just beginning to close. You need to be patient 
be mentally ready. And yeah, man, six months of reserve is what I would recommend to anyone. So, so I, yeah, yeah, that's great advice. I, I agree with you. Six months to a year, you need to be ready because you're creating a business from scratch. Now, right. I, I know that you are a full-time uh, multifamily investor, but you also love to buy and flip houses. Now, right now, the current state of our market, it is very difficult to find a deal. So for the listeners out there, I use Richard to find me multifamilies, uh, to find me large multifamilies. You know, we kind of pick our markets. Uh, and the reason why I use Richard, Richard has a, has a very creative way of sourcing deals. Richard uses VAs around the country and uh, he has multiple VAs working, sourcing deals uh, throughout his pockets that he picks. Now, Richard, you know, I'm very familiar with the VA business and I'm also very familiar with call centers and, and I'm also familiar with the data sourcing. But for the listeners out there uh, to understand, give us a little bit of background and how, why did you start doing that and, and how does it work? Uh, can I give us some feedback on that? Well, so originally we contracted a company to do this for us because our idea was to create a business. There's, you know, not just flipping a house you were there, but it was to create a business. So we needed to scale out and we needed to support. So we had a company that we were working with and uh, we just weren't happy with it. We weren't happy with the service, with just the way it was operating. And then from there, um, we built our own call center, our own VAs, which report directly to us. It's our company. And we began to create our systems because that's a key to a successful VA, you know, to use VA successfully. You need to have systems in place that are scalable and are repeatable. You know, steps one through five that anyone can repeat. I will use an example as, you know, McDonald's. I've never flipped a burger in my life. But if I walk into McDonald's, there'll be step-by-step instructions and I'll be able to make a Big Mac in about half an hour. And that's how we created our business systems. You need to have systems that they can all follow. And if one leaves, another one just steeps seamlessly into their shoes and we continue. Got it. And uh, how do you, um, I mean, obviously you're, you're, running a v, you're running these VAs from the United States and you use different countries to do that. How do you stay on top of their training? How do you know that they're making the right calls? How do you, how do you stay on top of it if you're not physically there? Because that's the challenge. A lot, of, a lot of folks are like, oh my God, someone's in this. How do, how do you do that? Well, there's technology out there for that, you know, and everybody knows what Slack is. You know, we use Slack. We also use WhatsApp to a lesser extent. Uh, but the key is probably our CRM, where we're able to see what they're doing, how they're doing, and make sure they're following the steps that we put in place. We also have three managers that are paid to oversee them. And then they report to us and our different KPIs that we've created. What's KPI? Uh, you know, we key performance indicators. Keep okay. So we're meeting our goals in terms of uh, calls made, uh, offers sent, follow-ups that were done, uh, things of that nature, and that's how we know uh, that everything is staying on task. Got it. And now, how do you pick your submarkets? Uh, is that something that you just pick the hot neighborhoods, or or do you find? the investor that wants that neighborhood or how do you go about picking sub markets? Do you follow trends? I know when it comes to from you sourcing deals to me, I, I'm very clear to you what I'm looking for. 
and what where I want ex- ex- specifically. How do you how do you do it for your business? Well, we, just like yourself, maybe we have investors that give us shopping lists. You know, what are you looking for? And at that point, we already have the system and the filters and the technology in place where if someone says, "Yeah, I want to look for properties in Minnesota," well, we've never done anything in Minnesota. But just tell me whatever you're looking in Minnesota, and we can start looking for you. Within a week, we'll have it in place. We'll, we'll have a VA trained on what to do, and then that's it. We start shopping there. And then obviously, you know what we do for ourselves. You know, we basically we focus on, I would say, from Central Florida on down all the way down to the Keys. That's our particular market. But for any other investor out there that wants to look anywhere else, it's not a big deal to be able to cater it to look for them. Yeah. Now, um, I'm going to get into more about how how working with a VA is is such a great way to grow your business. Um, I'm not saying that we don't have good uh, good jobs here. It's just some of the some of the VAs uh, just are very effective at getting things done at, at the cost that they do. Uh, one of the things that that you brought to my attention, which is I forgot about that because I used to do it early in my career. You 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 still approach properties on the market. To, to you, to you know, people say, "Oh no, there's no good deals on the market right now," <laughs> and I, and I think that uh, you've proven to me that there is. Um, but the the reason why is because how effective you are and your consistency in the volume. Tell me a little bit how you don't care about what people say that there's no deals on the market because you find them anyways. Tell me about that, man. It's about volume and follow up. That's it, it, that's what uh, that's what it's about. I mean, I'll give you a couple of examples. I mean, there was one deal that we just we just finished where asking price was three seventy five, and we got it for one seventy five uh, <laughs> on the MLS and, on this market. And this was uh, two months ago. Ah, that's crazy. See, uh, and, and for those that don't don't understand, he's talking about a property where here in Miami. Yeah, was it was this? in Miami. It was so, River. so to hear about a deal. At that price here in Miami, I already just by knowing that number, it's a home run. The average home here is above 300. Oh, yeah. And so, so markets oh, yeah. are above 500. So I, I just know that that number he just got there. And why did you get that price? What is it that you did that other agents and other investors are not doing that you got that deal? We sent about a thousand offers a month. Are you serious? A thousand? Yes. We sent about a thousand, it's a numbers game, a thousand offers a month. Most don't respond. That's number one. Second of all, you know, we're sent to hell. But then you do have the portion that says, give me a call and let's discuss. The property may not, might not be distressed. Obviously, the market situation is not distressed, but the owner may be. They may be looking for something fast to get out and, you know, call it a day. This particular deal that I just told you about, we closed this in two weeks. Because that was the value that we provided to the seller. They wanted something quick and easy, and that's where we came in. But the follow-up is also key because the person that sent us to hell, the realtor, that doesn't mean we're just going to roll over and go away. We'll email them again in about a week. Hey, I'm just following up on your property. Has anything changed? And you know what? Sometimes they, things change. Yeah. And then that's, you know, that's when we come in and we can do something. Well, you know what? I want to add to that because um, without you knowing it, you have sent me offers to my properties. <laughs> yeah, we have. <laughs> yes, we have. So, so um, 
there is a stigma that a lot of agents they they hate that when they know that their property is being marketed, and they, they it's it, it it's always like oh god that's just a, an automated service sending offers out. But the follow up, it's what has them change their mind on that. And and there's correct. something yeah correct. And then I I've gotten calls from your call center, <laughs> and, and 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 I I I it doesn't feel like a call center. I've gotten calls like an agent saying, did you receive our offer? And talks to me about the deal. And I think that's, that's the edge you need to have because you do get offers that are so automated. Then the person that calls you has a very strong accent. So you know it's already a VA. So yeah, I'm not paying attention to this. So those are things that, that affect a seller and an agent from saying, that's not a, that, that guy's not serious. He hasn't seen the property. So how do you get around when an agent tells you, have you seen the property? I'm going to give you exactly what we say. We're very well versed in the area. We're very active in the area. We know what the property is. Yeah. That's it. I mean, we train our VAs to be able to carry on conversations and not sound like bots because that's when you will have the door closed on you. So a very important part of our success in this regard is we record these calls and then we, we monitor them. We manage them. We give feedback. We have a grading system based on points on how effective the call was. And that's how we stay on top of coaching to make sure that we're successful. Now, uh, for the listeners to know uh, everything that he said, is, is uh, that is, uh, how, that's very accurate. I, I am under contract right now on uh, 100, 102 units that Richard got to us now. The way he got this hundred two units is exactly how you're hearing him, uh, just very aggressively following up. Um, and but he identified my criteria. He knew what I was looking for. He uh, he understood my business model, which is another important thing. When and for anyone that wants to uh, create a relationship with uh, with someone like Richard or with Richard directly, I'll drop his information. But with someone like this to source deals, another form of sourcing deals. Having a complete clarity of what exactly you want is what makes their life easy. I don't go to Richard and tell him, hey, whatever you find that's off market or anything that's a good deal, send it to me. I, he knows that that's, that's the worst thing that you could tell to anyone that's sourcing deals for you. You want to tell him exactly what you want so he could refine his call. He could refine his target audience because it's expensive to buy these leads, Richard. How, you know, I know you spend a lot of money on that. That's the other side of the coin that I want listeners to know. How expensive it is to do volume and buy leads? Well, man, it's it's a lot of steps because number one, you need a call center. So there, you know, you're you know, we're paying about twelve to thirteen bodies. You need to have the data source. Uh, you need to have the technology. You know, we I, we was called Time Doctor, where basically that is our supervisor on site for all of our VAs. Because let's be honest, a lot of times. You're paying them for, let's say, four or five hours worth of work, and they could be spending their time watching YouTube videos. So there's a way around that where you can actually monitor their computer screen to see what's going on. Awesome. So there is a significant overhead into running this operation successfully. Uh, you know, we have two of them that are just dedicated straight to follow up. If you don't follow up on these leads or these offers, you're spending your wheels on wasting your time. It's going to usually take more than one touch. Got it. So there's a lot of factors that go into running this successfully. Got it. Got it. So, um, so Richard, uh, you're going to how many years now with the call center? 
probably about two and a half years, and we continue to improve it, grow it. I mean, we always think of new ideas and things to attack, and then, okay, well, you know, we're going to start attacking this now. How are we going to do it? We create the filters, the script, if it, you know, whatever it may be, and then, boom, you know, we execute. Now, who's your ideal uh, investor or client? Uh, are you doing also joint ventures, or you're also, or just you're providing this service and making a commission? Or how, how is it if me, Abio Ballesteros, uh, approaches you, Richard? I need your help sourcing deals. How, uh, how? What's what's what is it? Would you tell me? We're open. This is a relationship-based business, you know. So we can do a joint venture. Or you can just tell me what you're looking for and, you know, I'll find it for you. And then, you know, we'll, we'll split the pizza pie some way where we, where we all make money. It needs to be win-win. Anybody that we work with it has to be win-win for everyone involved. So it's, it's all open for negotiation and whatever works for both parties. Because if you're not happy, then we're not going to have a very long, fruitful, fruitful relationship. And this is a relationship-based business. Got it. Okay. So something that works for all of us. Richard, I, I want to dive into uh, to, to deals. I, I know that you're buying uh, income properties, and I know your portfolio right now is 20 units. Uh, you you like the duplexes and the fourplexes. You like those small multifamilies that you like to manage from my conversations with you and from knowing what you own. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, you, what you see your direction going when it comes to you know passive income. Well, I like the small units because of the liquidity factor where you can wake up tomorrow and say, you know what, I need to raise a couple hundred grand or whatever it may be, sell off a duplex. Very simple, very easy. Uh, that's been very fruitful, but a goal that we did set ourselves for 2021 is we want 500 doors by the end of the year. Oh, I love I know, that. I know step that into my, my playing field. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But on a smaller scale. No. 500 is not a small scale, bro. No, 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 no. But uh, let me explain. We won't be acquiring 200 unit buildings just yet. Yeah. But, um, you know, that is a goal of us that we have. You know, we're going to start targeting our numbers like 15 units are up. And, it's, you know, that's our goal. It, I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful business, man. I, I can't preach it enough well, how beautiful multifamilies are when you start scaling it. Um, I also started like you and, you know, we've had these conversations with the duplexes yeah. and the fourplexes and you got that taste of that, the, you know, that income coming in on that small units, but it's hard to scale. It's hard to get to 500 exactly. units with duplexes and fourplexes. But once you start getting into that multifamilies, you know, especially with the sources that you have to get deals, I mean, you have an edge, you have an advantage over a lot of folks. Uh, and uh, hopefully I could buy some before you, you get to that number. Uh, <laughs> Richard, uh, for the listeners out there, Give me uh, what has been one of the most difficult deals or problems you have had, and um, how did you fix it, man? Our most difficult deal was actually a, it was a flip. It was a small-scale flip. I'll share, give you the, the, the quick version of it. It was a property that had been passed on already by two, and we were the third investor. Somebody bought it, couldn't figure it out. Another person bought it, couldn't figure it out. And then we came and we bought it. And it was a, it was a struggle. But uh, that's when we learned to really get hands-on on how to fix our situations and learn. So long story short, half of the property was an illegal addition. 
two investors couldn't figure it out. They had already actually done almost 90% of the work, but they couldn't flip the property. Hired an architect, wasn't able to figure it out. And before we gave up on the deal, we said, you know what? Let's go ourselves to the county. We went to the county. All they asked us to do was pull a plumbing permit to relocate a washer and dryer, and they would legalize the entire property. How much are you making that deal? That deal we purchased for 103. The previous investors had already done all the work because they see that they worked backwards. They needed to make sure they legalize the property <laughs> first before putting a penny in. So we didn't do anything until we saw what we needed to do. They put in 103. We had about, I mean, I'm sorry, we bought a 103. It needed about another $10,000, sold it for one ninety-eight. Oh my God, I love it. See, that was the property in Little River. That's awesome. So that, yeah. there you go. This, that, that's what, the, you know, hearing those stories is, you know, Richard has, you know, he's created our life through, through real estate. You know, it's a, that's a, those things, when you're in the trenches in this business every day, you're going to have, you're going to hit some home runs. And I always say that to everyone in any business, but in real estate is like that. You're going to hit some home runs. You just got to be in it every day. Uh, every day. Yeah, exactly. So th those deals do come around. And if you're lucky, you hit a couple of those uh, in a year. I mean, what Richard made a profit in that, in that, in that deal, that's what someone makes in a, sa a Saturday yearly. And that's the beauty of this business. I, you know, that, that's, I, I love to hear stories like that. All right. That's a beautiful story, Richard. Now let's, let's, let's talk about you know, the biggest failures. Or your, you know, the deals that are just memorable, those deals that were an expensive education. Uh, tell me, <laughs> tell me about those deals. I have plenty of them. Um, uh, in fact, I always tell my investors. I mean, the education that I've gotten in the last ten years, in or fifteen years in real estate, you're going to benefit that from me now because I've already made them. So, what is, what would you call your biggest failures? I share the same thing with them, uh, and you know. I don't, I don't like the word failure. I like to use the word educational opportunity. All right. Yeah. It's so school of hard knocks. I call it that. <laughs> uh, it, it was actually a specific property in a city of North Miami, very fond to my heart. They require a certificate of reoccupancy. Mm -hmm. Make sure you're well-versed in that before you buy in that municipality. So, you know, that property, that was a challenge. That was probably our worst uh, flip. We didn't lose money, thankfully. We broke even. Uh, you make money when you buy in this business. That's an, you know, I always tell that to any novice investor that wants to start doing this. You need to prepare for the absolute worst and ask yourself if you're okay with that number. And that's what we did with this deal. You know, basically everything, you know, worked against us, but we didn't lose money. We broke even, but we got a heck of an education where I now know how to navigate that process. And you got to do this from the beginning, not at the end when you're already under contract and ready to sell. At so, that point, you're behind the eight ball. So what, what was it about that city? Was it that you just weren't educated on how that city was? Or was it your contractor? Where was it that specifically you made a mistake uh, that, that led you to that? What, what was it specifically? I'll tell you specifically. So we weren't educated on what certificate of reoccupancy was. That property was a challenge to sell from the beginning. Um, I'll share something else that's probably very good for novice investors to know. Comps are not just what you see on a computer screen. It's not just going on the MLS and saying, okay, those are my comps, good to go. This particular property was very awkward. It sat in a corner, it had a flat roof, and the yard was on the side of the house that faced the street. The comps on paper for that house called 265. 
with what we, this was, again, this was back like in 2017. With what we know now, if that same property comes onto our radar, I'm going to look at it and go, that's wonderful. Yeah, within a block, a household for 265, but it didn't have a flat roof and it didn't sit in a corner where the entire yard was on the side of the house facing the street. So I'm going to comp this one at about $25,000 less than what the actual comps because I'm preparing myself for the work because this is what a buyer is going to see. So I learned that from that deal, you know, to actually look at the property itself and look at it from a buyer's perspective. Is my buyer going to pull up here and say, my God, I love this house? Or is he going to pull up and say, why is the backyard on the side of the house facing the street? <laughs> and this house is ugly. It has a flat roof. <laughs> so that was a tremendous learning opportunity that I applied day to day. I have a lot of people that send me deals yeah. and I tell them, guys, when you live in that house, the house is disgusting. Yeah. So yeah. what are the comps? 300. Well, you well know, I'm not going to get 300. I'm glad you said that because I have, I, have, I, have, I have my red flags, the properties that as soon as I open them, I look at them immediately. I don't spend a minute underwriting it because I, because uh, of that specific thing. What you mentioned one, uh, it's flat, those flat roofs in South Florida, not popular design. Uh, properties on high traffic street. I don't, yep. I would not open them. I've, I've had those before. I hear some success stories from investors on traffic street properties. And I'm like, good for you, man. I, I just stay away from them. I don't want to, I don't, the, the comps on traffic street always look amazing on paper, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. But you said something that is very important. How does the property feel when you walk it inside? How do you feel about it? Are the rooms, uh, are the bedrooms spread out correctly? Is the layout attractive? Is the kitchen attractive? Do I need to gut this whole property to make it attractive uh, on the feels perspective? So those things are really important. I, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's something that comes with experience. And a yeah. lot of investors make that mistake that you, you, you look at the comps only. You look at the score footage only. Oh, I have a three bedrooms, two bathrooms. Score footage is great for the market. When you walk in that property, like what? What's going on? Something's weird. Something's off here. And I, I agree with you on that, one hundred percent. Any deal that we're considering, we get in our cars, we drive the property, we drive the comps, and I get a feel for what my buyer is going to see. Correct. And if the comps are, let's say, three hundred, but there's something off with a block, or something off with the house or the neighbor, hey, any deal can work at the right number. But then I got to tell myself, well, I need to overcome these factors. And the only way to overcome those is by sales price or deck the house out so unbelievably nice where the buyer will look at it and go, you know what? This makes up for X, Y, Z factors. But that, all that I just mentioned right now is money. So that's very important when you underwrite a deal. Go drive the asset so you know what you're doing. I agree. I agree 100%. And, and feel it out, man. If the property doesn't feel right inside... Uh, the way the layout is, don't force it. it, it and if and if you yes. force it, make sure that you budget because you're gonna, you know, you're gonna make it work inside. Richard, that that's that's very important stuff that you gave to the listeners. There, I'm glad you shared that with us. Now, Richard, I I like to end the show with with a question that I ask uh, all my guests, and just want to get your perspective. Uh, what does financial freedom mean to you? Man, financial freedom is making money when you sleep, coming to the office because you want to, not because you have to. That's independence and that's wealth. Passive income is wealth. Flips are cool, don't get me wrong. 
but I always tell everyone is, you know, that's a great way to start raising capital, get into the business, but I, you know, you can't flip your entire life. You know, uh, wealth is passive income showing up to work because it puts a smile on your face and you should be able to make money from anywhere in the world. I'm, I'm glad so, you share that, man. Passive income is definitely, once you discover it, uh, you know, you, you just, you're like, wow, I wish somebody would, they, they should teach that in high school. Yeah, they should. They should have, they, I, I don't know what's, they, they should teach passive income. They should teach, you know, uh, you know, they should have a course or at least the option to pick like uh, how to underwrite multifamily deals. I swear to God, you know, I can't wait for me to start teaching my son about passive income. As soon as that, as soon as he starts doing math, I'm putting, I'm putting uh, rent rolls and income and expenses. I just want to understand that business. I wish I would have learned it earlier. Richard, man, it, it was awesome. I'm glad to have you on the show. Um, Richard, if there's the listeners out there that want to work with you and, and, and get deals from you, how can they reach you? Guys, you can just reach out to me directly. Uh, at the end of the podcast, you know, we'll put my information, my cell phone number, my direct email. I'm all about networking. I'm all about meeting people. Uh, that's the heartbeat of this business. Uh, as we've grown, we've been blessed and we have now people that call us and bring us deals directly, you know, or I'll be the first one they call, Hey, I got this. You want it, you know, based on our reputation that we've built up, we're legit, you know, we don't play games and you know, it's not, it's never just about one deal. It's about the many after, you know, me and Abel have known each other for a while and we've done a ton of deals together and they've, <laughs> we've seen them grow and grow yeah, from hundred thousand yeah, yeah. dollar houses. Yeah. what we're doing now so yeah great. yeah it's awesome man man i'm looking forward to continuing working with you do not give my right, anything cool. that's over 80 units you give it to me first <laughs> for sure for sure <laughs> all right richard for man sure. thank you thanks man thanks for your time man i appreciate it likewise thank right, you thank care. you Bye -bye. thank you for listening to the real estate life podcast i hope you enjoyed this episode if you'd like to reach out to me, please go to my website, www.abiobiesteros.com.